The door's open. I'm in no mood for any more of your stall tactics, Miss Mason. Where is your final project? Wouldn't you like a glass of champagne first drop? Where did you get this? Well, I packed it. Just for us. Well, that's it. You're not uh, stepping off this ship until we return home. But I haven't even shown you my biology project. Hey. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we have just suffered through what I believe to be the worst film that uh, we have covered on Trilogy in Theory. Always a good start for our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Or will cover, I think, on Trilogy in Theory. Um, We just watched Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, uh, the the last of the original films to be called Friday the 13th because I believe, uh, I think it was Paramount or whoever owned Friday the 13th, they wouldn't, they, they gave the rights to make more of these movies, but they didn't give the rights to f- the phrase Friday the 13th. So all the other ones hmm. have to be called Jason something. Um, so here, we, Jason Takes Manhattan, there's a setup for, for those uh, uninitiated. Uh, Jason, in the previous film, had a run-in with a telekinetic girl named Tina, and and uh, this uh, the seventh part was called The New Blood, because it was uh, the end of the Tommy Jarvis storyline. Tommy Jarvis was a protagonist in three of these films, uh, first played by um, that the, the Lost Boys guy, Corey Feldman. And so his story arc over three films, uh, all three are terrible. Every single one of these movies is terrible, by the way, including the first one. <laughs> I'm, I'm already befuddled that there's, you know, a saga, uh, a Jarvis saga. I, it's like I don't know what you're talking about. Now I'm, I'm uninitiated to this. I guess this is my initiation. And I was telling you before we started recording proper that, other than possibly the first one, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched. Uh, one in full, uh, purposely. <laughs> Mind you, it could have been a drive-by, you know, VHS tape or something someone had on in the the background. But uh, yeah, you're talking about telekinesis and all this. I'm like, isn't it just a, a you know, in the sequels, a bullied kid, uh, reincarnated bully kid. You know, it's the mom in the first one. And I'm like, what, what, what are we doing here? Uh, which leads into the the chief complaint of this movie and. Uh, I felt so unoriginal because, as I said, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, this is virgin territory for me. And I'm like, geez, are they ever going to get to fucking Manhattan? I thought it was Jason Takes Manhattan. And I load up Letterboxd, Rotten Tomatoes, the wiki page. That is like hammered home 
repeatedly, like <laughs> by the criticisms, is that he doesn't actually take Manhattan until the last fifteen minutes or so. Uh, boy, what a missed opportunity there! If you're going to do the the scream thing, which is the very reason for this month's trilogy, um, you know, I mean, Jason takes a cruise is a suitable <laughs> title if you want to get a little cheeky. I guess that's what he does here. But um, in your uh, preview of what uh, what had come, I guess prior, uh, I don't know if you need to know any of that. Um, our lead no. character here, the you know, I guess what they're setting up to be like the final girl. Uh, played by Jensen Daggett. Is that a real name? That is not. <laughs> I could see. I could see it being an uh, Alan Smitty. She was like so ashamed of everything that happened over the course of filming. You're like, nope. I want to wash my hands of this. Uh, apparently, she uh, had a recurring role on the Tim Allen classic sitcom Home Improvement. Uh, she wanted like the Tool Time Girls or something. Mm. Failing upwards. <laughs> Maybe she got to see some of that Tim Allen dick. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Whatever listeners we had, you opened with, here's the worst thing we've ever covered, which always amuses me in podcast world, because if you, if you are picking up new listeners, it's because of the chosen film. Like someone stumbled into, I want an episode, a podcast on Jason Takes Manhattan, and you immediately... Smack them in the face for having the audacity <laughs> to click play. <laughs> and, and now Tim Allen Dick. Good Lord. <laughs> well, for some context, uh, Pamela Anderson's recent uh, memoir references a story in which, uh, as a prank, he flashed her, uh, to which Tim Allen uh, denies. But who knows? Who knows? I, you know, I tend to. Uh... <laughs> Here's the thing. I tend to believe women, and I also do not believe Tim Allen. So those two things combined. <laughs> I'm going with Pam on this one. <laughs> Me too. Well, the seventh film does end with Jason uh, being uh, <laughs> kind of taken. Uh, uh, he's in the ocean or, or some body of water, I guess, near Camp Crystal Lake, uh, assuming one of the lakes. Uh, the <laughs> the telekinetic uh, final girl in the seventh, her her dead father drags Jason uh, underwater uh, where he is chained up and, and uh, for the lack of a better word, I guess, uh, not killed, but put to rest for a little while until the next time. And <laughs> yes, corner. yes. <laughs> Slasher timeout. I have a question for you, Webb. Yeah. You hinted to me that you might try to revisit the, I guess the the Jarvis saga or whatever the various <laughs> sagas, you know, pre-Marvel, the phases of Friday the 13th. Did you go back and watch other films in preparation for this recording? No, but what I did do is I watched the, which might be better or worse depending on, you know, uh, how you react to this. Uh, I did watch the eight-hour documentary, Crystal Lake Memories. It's an Awesome, awesome, very exhaustive documentary, and it goes through every single film, talks to the uh, creators, the crew, the actresses, actors, everybody, and it's really entertaining, because here's the bottom line. The, the reality is that this film franchise is very important in the grand scheme of, of I think, film history, specifically 
horror and then the subgenre of horror slasher. It's important. It just says if you were to make a, a the Mount Rushmore of horror icons, like Jason's on there. Is he in one of the shittier spots? I mean, I know if you're on Mount Rushmore, you're not deemed shitty, but it's <laughs> lesser ones like. <laughs> He's not Lincoln for a friend, I guess. But <laughs> is that Michael Myers? Is that is is Michael Myers the if there was such a thing as elevated horror for these uh, the slasher genre in particular of the eighties? Is Michael Myers like the most artistic because of the original film and John Carpenter's involvement and legacy compared to you know Freddy and Jason? I would say Freddy is number one because I think in that franchise there are better films because with Halloween you've got one film and then an entire franchise of garbage. So I would say because with Freddy, I, I, I think the first one's okay. I really like the second one, The Gay Nightmare. I don't know if you've ever seen it or, or heard the kind of, kind of... That's not the title, I'm assuming. No. <laughs> no, it's not the title. I would have loved that if they were so progressive <laughs> to, to go with that. <laughs> if you... Uh, gosh, I don't want to recommend it, but I kind of am recommending it. And then uh, the third one, I think, is universally beloved. Um, so I would say the first three Nightmare films are uh, pretty good. And then you can skip to Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, which I think is overrated, but still uh, decent. That's the one that gets a lot of uh, cinephile acclaim. I, I hear that one. The uh, uh, Just to finish this Mount Rushmore thing. So who's the fourth? I want to go with Chucky. Really? Uh, but I think I think after those top three... You know, you know what? Oh my gosh! I know I just mentioned like that. Freddy is probably in the spot, but Chucky has the most consistent franchise uh, to the point where like the TV show <laughs> is excellent. Like I really like it. It's not going to convert so you're people. Saying Jason is fourth. <laughs> Give him the you know the pat on the back, and then you immediately undercut him in our episode on him. Got it. Um, yes, I've always wanted to watch the Crystal Lake Memories thing. I think I bought it when it was on sale for like four ninety nine on iTunes. Um, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I even questioned them. I'm like, am I ever going to commit to watching all of the films covered in this just so I can enjoy? Because I've heard from other podcasters like, hey, it's great, like you know, but they also grew up with those movies, so they could just turn it on and sort of revel in it. Whereas I would have to do the homework first, and boy. Is that really putting Crystal Link memories like, you better impress me if I slog <laughs> through something that I'm not naturally inclined to, to watch? Uh, I say all that, like for uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, I thought this was one of your um, best uh, trilogies that we formed for this little show. I was I was intrigued by this idea of uh, horror taking Manhattan uh, only to be, you know, pissed on by this. Uh, I guess <laughs> apparently for budgetary reasons that they couldn't actually do much in the way of the Manhattan aspects of, of the movie. But I was, I was totally uh, swindled and bamboozled because it's, I actually paused it and I was like, now, God damn it. Did I, am I watching the right one? Did, <laughs> did stars lead me astray? You know, what's funny is that this has like the highest budget of any of them up, to, up till that point, And they still didn't That's have enough sad. money to film. Yeah. In, in 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 uh, New York, I think they had maybe two or three days, really not much. Um, but yes, no, I did had I had no interest, nor do I have any interest in ever rewatching any of these movies. The fact that I watched this one, like I, I I'm never gonna get this like hour forty back. Like I could have been sleeping. Like it would have been great. 
unfortunately, uh, yeah, we we had to sit through it for this uh, for our show. But <laughs> we had to. <laughs> we did because the because the trilogy theme is so compelling. And mm-hmm. so that's why I watch uh, Crystal or watch I rewatch Crystal Lake Memories every couple of years. I put this thing on because it just is very enjoyable. Because here's the thing, it's like the the professor or the teacher that you had in school, where you might not care about the subject, but if the teacher is genuinely interested and excited, enthusiastic about what they're teaching, gotcha. then you're going to be kind of into it. And that's how I feel about Crystal Lake Memories. Is it the Ken Burns baseball or jazz of <laughs> Friday the 13th? Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> that it is. Yes, a wistful, absolutely. A wistful tone. Those were the days. And and you know what? I can appreciate all of the drama that happened uh, afterwards uh, with these films, like with the MPAA. Um, one of the things that I think you, you probably noticed with Part 8 is these kills are lame. They are mostly bloodless. They cut away. There's a lot of uh, off-screen deaths. Uh, there's a choking. There's a choking in a Friday. Isn't the machete like the iconic Jason weapon? And he maybe mm. used it once in, in, a, in a throat slice where there was literally no blood coming out of the the, the captain. It was a ship captain who he uh, slit. Is it because, like, you know, this is Jason an away game for him? You know, he doesn't like the, 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 the field maintenance or whatever. Like, whatever they did for the Super Bowl with their, like, fake grass they came up with. So he just, he can't get you know full motion on the on the, the swing you know he just can't do it he's in this contained space uh the only one that comes to mind i guess there's two but the second one i don't really remember how she dies maybe that's the choking um the first one kelly the hugh thing um i like that that bit where it's like he just punches through a dude's stomach with you know while he's trying to relax and get a little soak on but uh kelly hugh um is that is that the choking where it's just she, she's attacked in their makeshift dance hall and <laughs> the discotheque <laughs> yeah like a, a fucking kid's birthday party or something i i don't i don't know um okay look there are some charms to this as there are with anything of this 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 era so I will say because I didn't do the exhaustive research, I think I would have been far more negative if I had watched. You said this is the eighth. If I had watched seven prior entries and you know quick succession to get to this point, uh, yeah, I would have been pissed. But just jumping into it, um, you know the, I guess the only adult representation other than the uh, the kid's dad, who's the the boat captain. You know he's got to go. You know the kid's gonna get his shining moment. He's gonna take over the boat and get. You know he gets no respect from like anyone the entire time. But the I guess uh, creepy school representation, the the dude leading this uh, class field trip, uh, is <laughs> quickly he's blackmailed into a sexual encounter with a student who has. The, the worst, uh, you know, little fake tattoo she's got as far as doing her little anatomy lesson. Uh, she says, come check out my, like, biology <laughs> exhibit. I will applaud the film for, because I thought, I was like, shit, is she actually just going to fuck this old man <laughs> because she just wants him to stop, like, getting onto her? Like, just like, kid, can you not just tell him to fuck off? And, like, you don't have to go that far. Uh, but it is blackmail. We have the AV club kid come in with his little camcorder. <laughs> uh, stupidly, he has to see everything through the lens. I don't know if they're going for some sort of meta commentary there, but even when Jason's stalking him, he's got to put his 
<laughs> <It's odd. laughs> you know, cutting edge tech from the eighties. You know, some of that stuff is just like, okay, it's going to be amusing. I wanted to ask you as more of a fan of this genre. Uh, is that already baked in or does it start to drift further into comedy? The more numerals you put on these sequels, do they realize like, okay, this is ridiculous. So we have to own uh, the comedy aspect more like, you know, if we go back to part one or two, are the characters as stupid there? Is the, is the movie like knowingly rooting for idiots to be killed in the early ones? Or is this, you know, is it all the same or is it just because I'm watching such a late entry that this film seems to take no respect in any of the people that are being stalked by Jason? I think the entire franchise, uh, the, the hero is Jason. Um, eventually the, the, the turn kind of happens between two and three. Uh, three is where he finally gets the hockey mask. Um, in the second one, he's got a bag on his head with a little cut out, like one hole for an, an eye. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's really silly saying it. <laughs> is he still being bullied as he's attacking and murdering people? Like, are they still giving him swirlies? Like, <laughs> I just can only imagine that everyone is disrespecting uh, this this crazed uh, reincarnated stalker if you have a bag on your head. Like, Mm -hmm. a hockey mask is not much. It's not a lot. That's not a big ask. And he still has to earn his stripes (laughs) with that through through another movie? Jesus. I think... if you keep remaking the same movie over and over, people are generally going to lose interest. And essentially, they, they're kind of doing that. But yes, once you, once you get to this late in entry, there's going to be humor, whether it's intended or not. And I think uh, the filmmakers understand that. And they're like, okay, let's just lean into it a little bit. And that's why there's a lot of that. And some, I mean, sometimes the jokes are just... The, the visual gag of Jason first rolling into New York and then he sees the big hockey mask billboard... And I, I mean, you know, Kane Hodder, uh, this is the first, uh, Kane Hodder is a huge uh, um, uh, fan favorite because he's played Jason more than anybody else. Uh, uh, and he's, this is the first time, uh, he was the, he was Jason in the previous one. And this is the first time there was a Jason actor who came back to reprise a role. Uh, and people were real upset when he wasn't Jason in uh, Freddy vs. Jason, actually, too. Okay. All right. Not to dismiss this man's legacy. But what are you actually doing when you are playing a silent, basically stunt, double-ish character? Like, if you had told me there's seven different dudes that play Jason in this film, how how do you know? How do you know based on the mechanics of him standing still? And in this film, he apparently teleports. Very rarely is he actually, like, chasing anyone or even, like, slowly following them. What is it as a, well... You're, you're more of an observer of the fan community. I'm not going to put it on you that you're a fan, even though you are wearing a Friday the 13th shirt. <laughs> Don't think I was going to go through this whole podcast recording without pointing <laughs> it out in this audio medium. Uh, what is it about Kane Hodder from the fans' perspective that they enjoy him being the, the stunt man for this particular role? I don't know, but apparently he does a lot of like a heavy breathing. Uh, some of his physicality that he brings to it apparently is, is very important. Like I don't want to discount his craft just because I don't know enough about <laughs> the thing that he does. I mean, there's a lot of a uh, head tilting, and and apparently 
Uh, like when they were when they were filming in New York, uh, they had like you know hundreds of people kind of watching in from behind the barricades, and Kane Hodder would just to have some fun would like look over at the audience and like give them apparently some kind of a look, and the audience would start like clapping just to buy it because they were just very much uh, um, excited about. All right, it. I'm not I'm not gonna knock this man, so I'm I'm not saying this in a dismissive way. Is he? Is it because he's great with the the fan community? Has he like? own the fact that he is Jason because that's, that's not for nothing. Like if he's, if he's really embracing it and he enjoys that interaction, um, then that, I'm all for that. Oh, he loves it. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to tell like who, who plays the one Jason in space. Was it Kane Hodder again or no? It was for the sci-fi version. Ooh, <laughs> you know what I like? I just pulled up his IMDb. I'm digging this unknown for his known for, uh, an IMDb territory is uh not there's not one Jason no Jason appearance makes the Mount Rushmore for him on his four known whoa four. Uh, seven seven it just says stunts <laughs> um the Charlize Theron uh Academy Award winning portrayal of the serial killer monster he's undercover cop uh-huh. uh huh Hatchet is Victor Crowley which is a more modern ish I guess you know attempt at creating a new horror icon <laughs> but number two i skipped over it because it's the it's the banger here on trilogy and theory is his appearance uncredited in 2003's daredevil as fallon's bodyguard that <laughs> <laughs> superseded all of his jason legacy was ben affleck's daredevil bravo imdb i love this i love it <laughs> And that, that that is odd because no, he uh, Jason X uh, was the last one that he was a part of, and then uh, he didn't get cast for uh, uh, Freddy vs Jason uh, or the Friday the Thirteenth remake by Michael Bay. Why didn't he get Freddy vs Jason? Come on, well, that's that's poor form. I went from it's, this is funny from five minutes ago being like, come on, how much is there to it now? Being like, ah, oh, bullshit, he doesn't get to be in the, the big event movie. <laughs> Um, I've been he, converted. I, it, the the studio. Uh, some people blame Ronnie Yu, the guy who directed Freddy vs Jason, who also directed Bride of Chucky. He was, so he was kind of involved in revitalizing that franchise a little bit, and so he hopped over to Freddy vs Jason. And it didn't matter to him one way or the other. The studio actually just had to go a different way. I guess they wanted a a, a legitimate size difference between Freddy and Jason. But well, the guy who did play it, he seems like a good guy as well. Um, it, it's funny because oh, what the hell were we talking about? Ben Affleck's Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to whether this is a comedy or not, I, I believe that it just these films just have to have that element. I will say Saw is probably one of the franchises that uh, never really gets into comedy in the way that these do because there is a weird soap opera that occurs with all the backstory um that is taken pretty seriously throughout uh, but ultimately what you're seeing here really is a good snapshot of what the entire franchise for the most part is i know that i mentioned the tommy jarvis saga or whatever but it's really not something where you're like oh my god if you don't see those movies you can't just jump into the tommy jarvis saga mid saga it doesn't matter it, it genuinely doesn't matter yes you'll be missing out on a little bit of backstory but the reason people go to these movies is to see uh, the teenagers get you know slice and dice for the most part um and it's so weird to me that it took 
uh, until the the ninth film for the producers, the filmmakers to wisen up a little bit to the home video aspect. Uh, so what ha- what would happen? is they would uh, film these incredibly gory death scenes and they would have to slowly cut more and more out as the MPA keeps mm-hmm. saying, nope, nope, keep cutting, keep cutting, keep cutting. And then the footage would be lost and all you had left is the VHS grainy stuff that like you can't really put back into the theatrical version to make a longer uh, unrated cut. But in the ninth one, they absolutely went into it being like, let's go for broke. We'll release it as an unrated cut later. Um, and, and they kept all the footage. And for this one, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I was able to kind of see some of the deleted scenes. And yeah, the, it used to be much more violent. Uh, but it just feels completely neutered. All these films get neutered. To the point where the person who directed Part 7, The New Blood, he claimed, he, these are his, his words, like, the MPAA raped my film. That is how badly he felt like he was, you know, short. He was shortchanged. So, all right, okay, buddy, maybe, <laughs> maybe a bit much for <laughs> your chosen uh, subgenre here, but okay. I I just can't <clears throat> imagine paying good money to see stuff like this in the theater. Uh, I I feel like there's very little. Uh, boy, I don't want to make uh, the Friday the 13th fans mad, but in terms of filmmaking, in terms of just kind of everything, maybe outside of like Tom Savini's work earlier on in the franchise, because, you know, it's always fun to see how gory and how gross he can get. But ultimately, th- th- there's there's no, <sighs> this franchise is bereft of any artistic merit. <laughs> like, and, and maybe <laughs> I, <laughs> people aren't going to the Friday the 13th films to see you know, Schindler's List, I, I'm, I'm aware of that, but golly, I, I, I wish there was a little a little something for us uh, film geeks, but there really, really isn't. It was interesting to me, I was looking at the, the Wikipedia page with the, uh, the box office, because, you know, you, you mentioned this is uh, the most, I guess up to that point, the most expensive one at like five $5 million budget, which... Shows you that they were just printing money on the earlier ones as far as as cheaply as possible. We have a target demo, we've got it. It's you know, we, it's in profit already just from concept alone. Yep. Um, but you want to talk about like a timestamp as far as uh, I'll just read straight from the page here. So, uh, it was released on July 28th, 1989. Jason Takes Manhattan, uh, entered the box office at number five for the weekend with earnings of 6.2 million. Uh, here's a little commentary from the, the, the wiki authors. The film faced strong competition at the time of its release from high-profile genre fairs such as A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and Fright Night Part 2. It was considered one of the biggest disappointments of the summer box office. That's, like, I understand that's, that is truly one-to-one. That is, like, apples to apples, like they're comparing. But there was a time where you were getting... A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Halloween 5, and Fright Night 2. And this one couldn't hack it <laughs> compared to those. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> the JV League <laughs> of cinema. <laughs> it's like, we just couldn't overtake the revenge of Michael Myers <laughs> or the Dream Child entries. Just couldn't cut it. <laughs> and to me, this is, I mean, you would know better as far as, especially as a fan of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, that series, this one's the easiest sell 
Like, if they just leaned into the concept, Jason Takes Manhattan, like, if you actually just told me, hey, Mike, you gotta watch a Friday the 13th, if it's not the original, I probably would have picked this one. I would have picked this one side on scene as far as, like, all right, let's seem like we're doing this for Scream coming out here uh, this week as of this recording, and you'll hear you know, our take on it in a couple weeks because we finished out this trilogy. That's a cool hook. It's a cool hook now. It's like, oh, cool. They're getting out of the fucking small California town. Let's go to New York. It's cool to see Ghostface on the subway. I was going to ask you, is this the tail end? Or how, like, how much, I guess... How much further into the early 90s did we have to go where New York was still a fucking taxi driver? Like, if you mention a character being in New York, you're seeing people, not only in this film, shoot up on the streets, but they take our leading lady and just pump her veins full of drugs <laughs> with the intention of softening her up to rape her. And that's from, <laughs> like, getting <laughs> off the boat with this crazed serial killer in a hockey mask. And they're immediately abducted and drugged <laughs> up and doped to be raped like as soon as you set foot on New York City land proper. How much further, like I said, you know, because this feels like this is the end of like, I'm sure from the 70s and 80s on, New York was a cesspool. I'm not speaking for real life, but in pop culture, it was seen as like hell on earth. Um is this sort of on the last gasp of that before, you know, movies start showing like how incredibly wealthy and nice, like, you know, whenever friends was aired on NBC, New York is where you'd go hang out with your buddies and you'd have this awesome, huge open studio apartment and just shenanigans would ensue or Seinfeld for that matter. You know, although Seinfeld, I guess leans more horrific because the characters <laughs> hate each other and hate their fellow man. Uh, but this, this felt I don't know if charming is a word, because I'm mentioning our lead character, like, an attempted assault. But it still felt like, oh, yeah, that's when, you know, everyone in America was afraid to even, like, think of New York City, because they just thought they were going to be mugged instantly. I mean, uh, that scene in the diner where she's like, there's a homicidal maniac after us, and the the <laughs> the, 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 the worker there's like, well, welcome to New York. Like, everybody's being hunted by somebody around here. Like, I, I, I get you, yeah, there is humor in that. But at the same time, boy, see, I don't know how to seriously to take. <laughs> are we analyzing Jason Takes Manhattan a little too much? I don't know if we're analyzing. I think that they probably missed the dark comedy of <laughs> this dude could probably walk the streets and slash anyone and no one would bat an eye. That seems to be what they're positing in the brief amount of time. That's before we get into the weird uh, deus ex machina of... New York at the stroke of midnight funnels through all of their like extremely toxic radioactive like sewage <laughs> like it's just like clockwork. <laughs> this guy's don't you know that? That's what we do here in New York City. <laughs> you can't be in this sewer at the stroke of midnight <laughs> or your skin melts off. I, yes, okay, I've answered your question. Perhaps we are analyzing it a bit too much because that's <laughs> that's how we have the uh, the resolution for our villain in this piece. What's funny? Okay, I really don't have an answer for you as to like how far we have to go back, but it's also but it, it's telling that New York had a problem with the poster, uh, the the teaser poster that came out that said mm -hmm. "I Heart New York" and Jason's like slashing through it. New York was like, "Whoa, that's not cool." But I guess they didn't bother to look over the script. We're like, "Yeah, sludge, uh, yeah, nightly sludge occurs." I'm hoping we're allowed in. Uh... The show notes in the text just put Horror Hearts NYC, and we're not going <laughs> to 
sued into oblivion <laughs> so they can take on all that trilogy and theory debt. <laughs> there you go, New York City. It's yours. Welcome to it. I I just I hate these movies. I think they're terrible. Um, they I I fully appreciate a fan's oh, vigor uh, to like go through these movies and have their favorite ones or whatever. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I remember on being on Reddit when the 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 Shout Factory like big box set came out. They released all the films in in the best quality with a ton of new extras for and people were posting like i got it i got it and i would downvote every single post and be like like this movie, these, movies, <laughs> <laughs> these movies suck and then my my comments would be downvoted but <laughs> oh, <laughs> i couldn't help it the thief of joy that is web 